Welcome to Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up with courage and faith like Esther of old, who stepped up to lead when life was tough but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet, all who faced trials head on and triumphed. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. Always great to be with you, you wonderful modern day Esthers. This is your moment to arise. And today we have a sensitive topic, and yet we want to bring normalization to this. So if there's anyone that you know that struggles with anxiety, depression, and any other kind of mental illness, I want you to pay attention today. My guest is a multi-genre award-winning speaker. She's a pastor's wife, and she's a mama. She's a regular contributor on IBelieve.com and Crosswalk.com, both great devotional sites. She's a literary agent for WordWise Media Services and a certified writing coach. When she's not working, she enjoys sipping a Starbucks. Yes, who doesn't? And she collects 80s memorabilia and spending time with her family and her crazy dog, Cookie, would you please welcome to Arise Esther today, my guest, Michelle Lazuric. Hey, Michelle. Hey, John. How are you? Good. It's good to have you on again. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm here because you didn't ask me about my 80s memorabilia last time. I remember. And so that. we had to have you back. We yeah, have to. So hear- I said, I, I demanded I come back just to answer that one question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we just got to kick it off with that. Tell okay. me about that because are you a child of the 80s? I am. I, I grew up in 77, so I'm a child of the 80s. And I, it, it probably goes a little more along with my story, but long story short, I love to collect um, toys and things from when I was a kid. And um, so I have uh, a couple of curio cabinets in my, uh, I have a finished basement in a game room. And uh, I put all that, all those toys in my display. It's all things I got for Christmas as a kid, things I love to play with. And in the moments we're feeling, uh, it's been a bad day or, you know, I'm anxious about something. I do look at those things and for whatever reason they calm down, it just reminds me of a simpler time. So I collect those and I cannot confirm or deny, but I may or may not have over 700 records in my bedroom <laughs> I may have a slight problem so but I love 80s music I think that's the only way to listen to music is vinyl so and uh, I don't break my budget doing it so <laughs> my that's husband doesn't fun. mind that's well, spectacular <laughs> you're kind of a little bit of a throwback with the vinyl well good for you yeah. I hate to say it but I'm a child of the 60s and uh, 70s and so we were all about the records for sure oh yeah but- yeah So it's great to have you on today, and we are going to talk about this subject, but first of all, congratulations today. Your book just dropped. It's called I Surrender All, sort of, laying down our plans so God can do the impossible. Tell me about your book. Why did you write this? Okay. Well, um, there is not a book that I have not written that I have not experienced it fully myself. And this has been, surrender had been a topic that I felt God had laid upon my heart probably about uh, two or three years ago. And I did my due diligence. I did the proposal, went out to writer's conferences, started pitching it, got nowhere. And so I figured, well, maybe I heard God wrong. And so I put it on my desktop and I figured, you know, when the time is right, 
I would do whatever God wanted me to do with it. If he wants me self-published, that's great. I'll do that. That's no problem. And so um, to be honest, it was a subject that I wasn't incredibly familiar with. And so I thought, well, I'm probably gonna have to do some research and have to kind of dig for some stories. And then 2019, this was 2019, and toward the end of that year, right before COVID hit, um, it became one of the toughest seasons of my life. And it wasn't just because of COVID. I have always struggled with anxiety, um, something I've had since I was a kid. Uh, pretty good about keeping it at bay, um, had some you know, coping strategies and ways to kind of relax myself. I was getting too nervous. And um, for the most part, I could keep it under control until the end of 2019. And I just had this kind of rush of kind of the perfect storm of all these things happening, deadlines, uh, personal tensions, all these things that were coming into play for me all at once. And what were little bouts of fear quickly became these waves of panic that I couldn't control. And so um, I, I kind of describe it as that staples, that was easy button where you just hit the button and says, that was easy. Uh, you know, it's over and over and over again. And I could never get it to stop to the point where I just stopped functioning normally. And so I really had to get to the point in my life where I really had to seek the help of professionals. I had to get medication. I had to uh, see psychiatrists and counselors and all those things to help me cope with this debilitating uh, illness. And so, um, that was a really hard, hard season. I, as a pastor's wife, you know, my, my church had to be involved. Um, so I took a leave of absence. So, um, yeah, so it was definitely not something that I could keep quiet about. It was something that I had to allow others in to help me with. And so I think there were so many aspects of surrender that I learned through that tough season. Um, and so that's why I'm sharing my story. That's why I'm writing in a book. I knew God was going to make me write about it uh, once I got to a point where I was healthy enough to share my story. And so that's out of all my books. I love all my books, all my books are my babies, but I think this one will probably be near and dear to me just because it's very personal to me and uh, probably the most, probably one of the most vulnerable, vulnerable books I've ever written. So, uh, so yes, I've learned a lot about what it means to truly surrender every every part of your life. And as I was searching scripture, um, I came across Exodus 14 verses 13 and 14. And that's where the Israelites, they look out, they see the swarm of armies surrounding them. They they're outnumbered. They pretty much know we're going to die. And they start complaining to Moses. Why'd you send me here? We're going to die. We didn't want to be here. And Moses says, stand firm. The Lord will deliver you. And he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And it's only when they lay down their weapons is that's when throughout the rest of that text, uh, God really does these miraculous things. And so you would think that it's so counterintuitive because it's the one thing that's really keeping them alive. And the thing that they can keep control of is the weapon. Once they lay it down, that's when God really allows is allowed to work on their behalf. And so that really is the crux of the book is what areas of our lives do we not want to give up to God? And what when, when we lay those things down, what can God do um, as as a way to show his miraculous strength in our lives. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for, yes, taking the time and having the courage to write this book because you're right. It is a very personal journey and many people don't understand it. So thank you for giving us a tool that people can read and understand that anxiety, mental illness, depression, whatever it is, there's more to it than just, Hey, trust God, just pray more, just, you know, if you just, if you just forgive someone, because not all anxiety is healed. It's very physical. It's very spiritual. It's very emotional. It has its roots in all kinds of things. 
how did your church support you? Was there shame for you around this being a pastor's wife? Did you feel like you had to keep up this strong front or did your church understand and come around you? Um, yeah, that this is really where the church for me shined. Um, and for those of you who don't know my story, just in brief, um, I was Catholic till the age of 18. And when I uh, became born again Christian, I told my parents, my parents were not happy with this situation at all, um, asked me to reconvert back to Catholicism, which I refused. And so that kind of culminated in two years of fighting until they actually threw me out, threw me out of my home at age 20. And so I lived with a family from my local church until I got married. Um, so I lived with them for about two and a half years. And uh, so the church for me has always been my family. And so this at yet again, during this tough season is yet another local church body that really shined, um, that really uh, showed that they are the tangible hands and feet of Christ. I mean, for me, there's, because I had to live it out kind of in a public way. Um, what happened was once I, once I took my leave of absence, I take a leave of absence because um, I wasn't functioning. Then when I came back, I was there for about a week and then COVID shut everything down. So on top of it, I didn't see anybody for months after, um, after I was, became well. So a lot of people were, you know, concerned about me and wanted to know how I was doing. But during that time, there were so many people who just flooded my house with cards and flowers and gifts when I came back, the hugs and the stories of people who said not only had they struggled with it right. themselves, or they knew a loved one who had, and so they had personal experience with it. And so they could perhaps on some level under, understand and identify where it was coming from. And so for me, even though I felt embarrassment and shame and God used that shutting down time for me to really process through all the lies and things that I was believing about myself because I had this okay. uh, quote unquote image to maintain. And God really stripped all of that away. When I came back, I really was flooded with the love and tangible, practical um, healing uh, and, and give and acts of hospitality, acts of kindness that the local church really mm -hmm. lavished me with. So um, that's one thing I would say to anybody who's listening is that if you are not in a local church body, please get yeah. to one because that's they will, they will help you in ways you will ever understand. And you cannot get from a TV screen, no matter how hard you try. And I know with COVID, it has made it even easier to stay home and just watch whatever's live streaming, even if it is your local church. But please, it's nothing, uh, there's nothing um, more powerful than a one-on-one -on -one personal encounter with the risen Savior and with his people, as, as flawed as we may be, um, to have those personal encounters with, with Jesus in that church setting um, there's something, there's just something miraculous in that alone. And so that's something that I would say to, uh, to listeners. I'm so, I'm so thankful to hear you say that the body of Christ came around you and I could not agree more that this is a time to be connected to the body of Christ. And you can't serve from sitting on your couch. You can serve in the church and using your gifts and serving is so important to the totality of your wholeness but also letting the people surround you, pray for you, be there for you. I love the title of your book. I surrender all sort of, and you talk about aspects of surrender. What are, what, what do you mean? Aspects of surrender that you learned? That's it, it, very, it has a lot of nuance to me. What aspects did you learn? Well, I think the first most important thing that I learned is that it's actually a paradox. It's not just what I thought it was, which was kind of just, you know, sitting back against your chair with your, you know, hands against your, your head, waiting for God to work. 
there are some instances where that is the case and that can be true 100%. Sometimes we're working toward um, doing in a result when God really wants to work on our behalf. But there's another side of surrender too that I, I had to understand. And that's kind of where the second part of the book heads is uh, something that I covered in there called pseudo productivity. And we fill our lives with so many busy, quote unquote, busy activities and they're good things, but they may not be what's right for us in this season. And uh, I would always challenge somebody who is feeling really busy and stressed uh, with lots of activities, whether that's their kids' sports teams or service in the church. That can be a pseudo productivity, by the way, is filling your life with a bunch of ministries to serve at. Not that God's not pleased with that. Certainly he can be, but we can fill our lives with so many things that we miss out on the presence of God. And that really is the thing that God wants most from us. He just wants us to be in his presence. And so I always challenge people to kind of survey where their lives are and how they're spending their time and how they're spending their weeks. If you're feeling fried at the end of a week, not just because of a, a, a hard job, because, you know, we know from scripture that that work is to be, you know, by the sweat of our brows. So we know that work is going to be hard, but it's a good hard. Um, and we all have to make a paycheck. So that certainly may, may not be an area where you can cut back. But, you know, are there other activities and things that you're filling your life with that are like can seem on the outside to be good things, but are they really the God things that God wants for you with this season? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's something that I have had to learn is that not only is surrender letting go of the areas of life that I may not want God to have, because I'm afraid he's going to mess it up. If I'm honest, mm-hmm. he may give me an outcome that I find unfavorable. And as, as a human being, you know, we are to Naturally, we want to repel pain and we want to go toward pleasure. And when we have situations that mirror events from our past that were equally as painful, we want to avoid them at any cost. So God wants to do miraculous things in the midst of that pain, but we oftentimes want to avoid and run from it. And then also, so as part of it's the laying down, maybe it might be a child, it might be children, it might be your finances, it might be your health, uh, it might be your job, whatever that may be. But the second part of it may also be living and working with a purpose. What is God calling you to your purpose right now in this season of life? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, COVID, it might actually be um, in our nature to want to amp up and fill up our schedules because we've been shut down for so long. But the reality is, is that was provided rest for us too. That were, there was, for some of us, there was a much needed rest. And Jesus always worked right. within a place of rest. He didn't work for rest. He already was rested. And he always took the time to make sure that he spent time, wasn't just sleeping, although we saw him sleeping, but there were times when he spent time alone, praying to God, communing with his father and all the things, having communion, eating, fellowshipping. There were times when he was just having fun and doing fun things just for the sake of the rest um, and not having to, to work uh, to serve others all the time. So um, yeah, there's a two part kind of paradox to surrender that I learned that was just really fascinating to me. And there's oftentimes when I have to ask God, okay, which part of surrender do you want for me today? And if I'm honest, like I, I may never learn it fully, but at the same time, I, I have learned so much through it because I've learned, I think one of the hardest parts for me to surrender in my life has been my ability to want to perform. And that really came from something that was from my childhood. Like Mm. when you live, every family has a family dynamic and every person has a quote unquote role to play. And so if you are in uh, a multiple number of siblings and let's say one child is favored over the other, the person that's not favored has to work to get that approval. You bet. 
they'll do it either with in, in the, the parable of the pro, of the lost son is a perfect example. It's either A, they swing and they go to the prodigal side where they're wild and getting all that negative attention, or they're swinging back to the hardworking um, eldest brother who's slaving in the field and complaining the whole time. So you have to find your place. And for me, I always had to work to get my approval. I always had to work to get that out of girl. And so when I learned how to do that, it was almost like a, a a dog with a treat. Like I, I learned how to perform to get what I needed. And so when that's deeply ingrained in you for so long, it's hard to let that go, especially with a God who says, let it all go. And let, let it go. go. Mm-hmm. So it's like in the face of, of him, it's like the exact opposite of what I learned growing up. So I've had to relearn a lot of myself and a lot of what I learned was good things to do um, so that God really could take over. And again, I'm not there, certainly not there. Um, and I may never be there, but there's always, since I've had that moment, I've really have had to learn when, especially when I'm hitting my limit, when I know I'm hitting, when I'm starting to feel that stress, I have learned to take a break and I have to teach myself that it's okay not to do anything. Because for me, I've learned that I, there is, there is almost like that, that fake pride, that, that, uh, prideful attitude of, oh, I'm so busy. And I really have had to learn to lay that down too, that it's okay not to do anything for that day or that week or that month or that season, whatever he has for us. So um, right. yeah, I learned on through uh, what it means to surrender, but anxiety will do that. When you're debilitated like that, you'll learn, you'll learn surrender really fast. So um, yeah, right. so do and I can operate, you know, more, more normally. Um, I always think back to that time when I couldn't do anything at all. And I'm grateful, even in the times when things are really stressful, I have learned to be thankful for this moment that I can do something for the Lord and, and kind of usher in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. I relate to that because I have had seasons of anxiety in my own life and the type of anxiety that I have struggled with in the past have been very debilitating seasons of anxiety. It's not something that I struggle with on a regular basis, but something kilter, whether it's the post-traumatic stress syndrome that I struggled with until God healed me or whether it's, you know, chemical. But what I learned in that time is that once again, listening to that voice to relinquish for me, surrender so many things, surrender that person, let go of that, surrender that outcome. You want that, but it might not go that way. Surrender that reputation, give it to God, surrender that busyness. Yes. Surrender that schedule, surrender that dream. That's just part of the Christian life. Because if we're going to pray the prayer that Jesus did, not my will, but yours be done, it's going to require surrender. And I think there's a distinction. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, but maybe I, we, we, we learn what submission is, or at least we have an idea of what we think it is, but it's the doing it. That I, I might understand what's entailed in surrender. If there's seasons of surrender coming, I can even remember past times where I'm like, Oh God, I know if you're going to ask me of this and I know it's, and I'm going to wrestle with you and give me the grace to get there, or maybe others respond quicker, but surrendering is an act of our will. It's not an emotion that all of a sudden we just want to let go. It's a choice, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny you mentioned about the emotion because it's the, act, it's the exact opposite emotion of what we want to do. 
like we want to fix, we want to move, we want to move God if he's being what we would consider too slow. And we want to move him on to let's get on with it, God, like you must have forgotten about me. And if I just push you along, you know, I'll get the desire, the outcome that I want. Um, and so there may never be a time when we want to surrender until we really have hit rock bottom. And so I think for me, you know, perhaps God used that in my life for that reason is because he wanted me to feel what it was like to be completely out of control of every aspect of my life for him to really take charge. And I think it, it made it, it made the memory hard enough and diff, the season difficult enough for me to remember it all the time. So that every time now that I want to take control and I want to move, I remember, I remember the moments a year ago when I was laying in my bed, just crying and saying, I think I'm done. Like, I think I've had, we, you and I've had a good run Lord and it's, you can't come back from this and no one's going to let me in ministry now. And, you know, we'll never be able to get past I'll never get able to get past this. And yet God has moved and opened more doors now than I've had, that I ever had, especially not a year ago. So I For think sure. part of it was the obedient part of, I knew he was going to make me act on this through writing, which was really good. Um, and not only helped me, but I think will help a lot of people, but also, um, again, it was that act of really processing through the lies that I was believing about myself um, and my role now not only within my church but within the family of god mm -hmm. and then really being able to say i really had to get to the spot where i was like i really don't need any of this anymore god i really don't like i'll sell the house tomorrow i can step down for ministry tomorrow i don't need this to be fulfilled i only need you and yes. uh, i did get to that point and there are moments when i want to pick that back up and mm -hmm. and have that facade of per perfection and, and uh, performance but then God reminds me, he reminds me of those moments when I was just completely broken and reminds me that, yeah, I really don't, I really don't need any of it. I just need Jesus. Yeah. So for the people who are listening today, what are some things that they can do to adopt a life of surrender? Because I think surrender for me means something you do after you finally decide that you can't do anything else, <laughs> but actually sender, surrender can be the first choice, right? So how can we prepare ourselves to be more ready and equipped to surrender? Yeah, I think, I think the first way we do that um, is through prayer. And I know that that sounds really simplistic, but I always ask people like, when is the last time we really gave God everything in our prayer life. Like some of the most powerful times of prayer for me in a quiet time have been just like one word, like help or thank you. Sometimes all I can do is just thank God for all he's done. Um, sometimes I have a lot of a, a big heavy load that I want to unload on him in terms of prayer things that I want to pray for. Uh, but sometimes it's just sitting. And I think as Christians, we do read the word, we do pray. And those are wonderful things. And I would never say not do them, but that's, we stop there. And that should just be the beginning of our relationship with God. And even if we work a nine to five job or even more so, um, you can start your day with those, those disciplines and then finish them even on weekends or every quarter, taking a day if you can and going somewhere and just sitting in silence and sitting by yourself and letting God speak. Mm -hmm. These are the moments like we, we serve a savior. It's not just a far off God, like any other religion. It's a, it's a God who, who relishes in speaking to us. Yeah. His Holy Spirit was designed to be with us, in us, and wants to speak to us all the time. Yeah, and right. he wants to reveal things that he knows to us. And so I, 
I always want to be a part of that plan. Do I always get there? Absolutely not. But in the moments when I have, my gosh, I just want to replicate that experience because that really is, it really does satisfy my soul and I can't get enough of it. When I'm hearing the Lord speak to me, and that is through a myriad of ways, it could be, uh, you know, pictures, visions, uh, you know, um, kind of in the mind's eye, a, a picture, a word, uh, the scriptures, another person, God speaks all the time in so many ways to us. Um, and we need to be more aware of that. So I think when we're in prayer, but also we're listening for God and letting him speak, that'll give you more purpose than you ever thought possible because you're not fumbling for the next thing to make you feel good. You're fumbling for the next encounter with a living savior. Amen. And I think when we're able to do that, that's when we start to live a life of surrender because nothing else matters after that. Like I like to, well, I was going to say, I like to think about prayer too, as you're talking it is uh, eyes wide open with a journal. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe may, you know, not in other words, not just this, but it, it's, it's this interaction. It's this conversation with God and be prepared as you're listening to write things down and take that, those impressions because he'll give you direction. So you're saying, okay, so we can pray. That makes sense. I get that. What else? Um, I think, I think there's no shame in getting help if you need it. Um, and I hope that my story helps people feel like it's okay to not be okay. Cause that is something that I learned, um, you know, through the help of professionals that I didn't need to know that whatever the next thing was, I just needed to know today. I just need to survive today mm -hmm. in some moments. And it was okay not to be perfect. And it was okay mm -hmm. not to have to perform. And it was okay to be broken. And it was okay to have my brain break, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And uh, that was comforting to me. And I don't, I don't necessarily know why I think it's just because so many of us, especially in church on Sunday, the church Sunday model is not set up for us to, to dive into deep relationship. Small groups are for sure, for but sure. not in the morning. If you're not involved in a small group, which I will always be an advocate of, if you're not in a small group and you're just going on Sunday, you're grabbing your coffee, you're saying hello to maybe five or six people that you know, and you may get a hug and how are you and how are the kids and how are things going, but you're not getting into the deep relationship. And when you can get into a smaller group of people who really get to know you and you get to know them, then you start to be able to use your spiritual gifts. You start to be able to practice disciplines together. You start mm -hmm. to apply the word and this, whatever sermon you're listening to that week. There's so many wonderful aspects to the small group model. And most importantly, you learn how to trust each other and you learn that intimacy. And I think that's what God had when he had his three with him, when he had um, his disciples that he was really teaching besides the 12, when he took those three along, I believe that was that small group model that he, he needed that just as much as they needed that. And so are you taught them about how to do life with Jesus. Yeah. So are you saying that community then? So I'm hearing you say, make sure that you pray, go ahead and seek help. And then finding that community, that small group, is that another way that we learn to surrender? Absolutely. Because yeah. we're, what, how, how does community help us surrender? Connect the dots for me in that. Yeah. Because I think when we can give up, first of all, when you surrender, you have to give up the facade. You have to take off the mask and you have to be real with people. And mm. I think that's the number one thing that Christians have a hard time doing right now. Yeah. We want to make sure we have it all together and that we know everything. That is an old model that is quickly eroding. And this generation of people, they don't care if you have it all together. They don't they want that. Want, they actually don't want that. They actually want authenticity. They want people to be able to tell them, yeah, I'm broken just like you and it's okay. Yeah. And so when you get into that small group 
relationship, that's where you can say I'm broken and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday model is not necessarily the place for that, but a, a small group model can certainly be. And when you're applying and you're allowing people to really interact with each other, it's really the Proverbs 27, 17 of iron sharpening iron. And that's really where we both, everyone benefits from a small group model. And so uh, the local community really can meet the deeper needs for connection and community um, that we're all seeking. And when we're equipped to do that, then we start inviting our friends and we start inviting people because we can't not tell them about Mm -hmm. the wonderful experiences. And then we're going out and really fishing for men like Jesus wanted. Mm -hmm. So I think praying and finding community definitely, and just going back quickly to the seeking help, there's nothing wrong with getting medication. There's nothing wrong with getting a counselor. I would certainly suggest finding a Christian counselor if you can, um, because they're dealing with mind, body, and spirit. And I don't think you can neglect any of those things. And they're all deeply connected. So you have to have someone who can deal with all three effectively. Um, and there's no help in seeking help of psychiatrists if that's what you need. Right. So, um, you know, unfortunately, there are still some Christians who don't know how to deal with it. So with the best intentions may say snap out of it or, you know, it's all in your head or just pray more. And those things are great. But at the same time, they don't help people who have tried everything and nothing is working. So if you need medication, same thing as a heart patient. If you need help with your heart, you need help with your brain. And there's medication out there. We, we are privileged to live in a world where we can get that medication yes. very quickly use it because it's important and and speak mm-hmm. openly and honestly with the professionals that can help you because that's what they're there for that's one way that actually someone who maybe is struggling with anxiety that 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 can be a form of surrender too that you are going to trust and surrender that the way you find healing and your next step down this path to um, rid your life or at least manage anxiety, it may be through the medical professional, maybe through medication, it may be through counseling, it may be through delving into the past, it may be through meditation and, and learning uh, how to slow your brain down and all the tools that God gives us. Um, do you have any, I, I want to shift gears in just a moment. Cause I, I also know that you're a literary agent and a writer. I want to ask you just a quick question as time will allow, but what's your last piece of advice for someone who's struggling with anxiety and, and around this whole theme of surrender? Um, and just more of an encouragement. Um, there's hope and there's freedom. There is nothing that, that Christ's atonement on the cross can't cover, including anxiety. And we may feel broken. We may not get the healing that we want this side of heaven, but we can get close. And uh, sometimes the healing comes in the form of tangible, practical acts of kindness from our local church body if we let them. Sometimes it is medication. Sometimes it is the help of professionals. But there is hope and there is freedom, uh, even from anxiety. But we have to learn how to surrender to do that. And so surrender may sound hard, and it is a hard practice when you first start, but it does get easier, as with anything. Um, anything, you know, think about when you first became a believer, you know, praying was hard, tithing was hard, you know, scripture was hard, all of it was hard, but we all just went and did it every day. And the more regular it became, the more routine it became. And that's what I would say to people is when you can let go and you can say, you can keep your hands open when you're in prayer and say, God, this is yours. It's not mine. It's yours. And I give it over to you. Um, at the very least, you're going to find freedom for your soul. Um, and at the very most, you're going to find a savior at the other side of it. Yes. And the same Holy Spirit that helped you to do those other things that you just mentioned, tithe and read scripture and pray and all that is the same Holy Spirit who empowers you to indeed surrender. The book is called I Surrender All, sort of, laying down our plans so God can do the impossible. 
Michelle, talk to me just a moment about your literary career. You are a writer. What somebody listening might say, I want to write a book. What would you say to them as an agent and an author, award-winning yeah, uh, author? Thank you. Yeah. Um, the number one thing I would say, I always start off with this whenever I speak, whenever I get a client, I always say, do the soul work. You are a writer, whether you write for one person, a hundred people or a thousand. Um, that is for God to decide. It's not for us to decide. And uh, we write for an audience of one period. And we can write on a blog. We can write personally for ourselves. And then when we get more brave, you can click send. Um, but I always say, start off with a blog, um, start off writing consistently. Consistency is key. And then start building your following on social media. Social media is not going away anytime soon. You have to have it because you have to find where your audience is. And then um, continue to build what they call a platform, which is a pretty big buzzword, which you'll hear at pretty much any writer's conference you go to. Um, kind of the um, it can be a gift, but also a curse at the same time, because no matter how hard you try to grow it, there's always some new rung to, to climb on. But, uh, you know, platform in many different ways, speaking engagements, podcasts like this great one, uh, radio and TV, um, anything you can get your hands on to get your message out there. Uh, the more reach you have, the more impact you have. And as I go through and I finished this last month, I have gone through the rails of my own marketing with this book. I have no idea what the sales are going to be. You know, if I get a couple hundred copies, I'll be lucky, but I'll tell you when I count up how many podcasts I've done and how many people I've reached, we're probably in the millions by this point. And to me, that's the eternal paycheck. I may never see it in my bank account, but I will see it in heaven. And I do believe that part of the joy of heaven will be people coming up to me and saying, thank you for the word you spoke on a rise Esther. Thank you for the, the uh, words you wrote in your book. Thank you for that podcast. Thank you for that speaking engagement. It really changed my life. And there are so many people who we will not meet here. that will meet in heaven who will be deeply impacted by a word. So write those words. Don't worry about the, about who's reading them. Do your best to build your platform and give God the rest and surrender it because it'll, it'll eat you alive. If you, if you try to chase after that it's like anything else it'll just devour you but if you can keep it in perspective and know the best audience is the one is the one who holds the world in his hands you'll never go wrong that's awesome i i so agree with heaven and your your description just now and i want to add this to for me when people ask me because i also am an author as well but uh, my very first editor that i had was a very scary individual and actually a little bit mean and I had such trauma <laughs> from my very first book working with this editor that every time I wrote, I, their voice was in my head and, and I, I couldn't write. It would scare me. And I would edit it as I was writing. And many times as I'm coaching or counseling someone and I say, I really want you to do some work in your journal, they finally, many have confessed, I'm, I don't want to write in a journal. I'm afraid what if somebody finds it or what if somebody reads it? So clients are journaling as though someone's going to read their material. So time out, when you talk about do the soul work, you need to write and journal as if no one is going to write ever. No one is going to see that right now. Just, we call it the crappy first draft. I think I can say that. Uh, oh, we yeah. call it something else, but we all have it. Yep. Just vomit on. First draft, it's terrible. Yeah. Right. Just vomit on paper. Just 
unedited. Just let your soul come rushing out because you're writing. When you write that way, it will take you in places that you didn't know and you didn't understand or expect or you didn't control. That's surrender too, by the way. Just surrender to the pen and paper and just let it go. And you'll see, you may discover you get in a real beautiful stream and a flow. So get, Actually, get can I just give one uh, quick piece of advice? Somebody told me um, to combat that. I don't want to write in a journal. Somebody sees it, uh, started uh, an email account that only you have access to and write emails to yourself and you can keep the, password, keep the password yourself. No one has to know. And there you go. And there you go. And especially if it's something, if God's calling you to write on it really hard, hard topic for you, painful. You don't want that on paper because you don't want people. I mean, you do in a sense that people want to be able to feel your pain, but you don't want to be taking out your pain and anger on a piece of paper for people to read. That's, that's beforehand. What you write about is the redemptive work of Christ. So that's our job right. as Christians. Where's the redemption in our story? So use the email or use the journal to get out all the anger, all the pain, yeah, all the pain, all the tears, soak the pages if you have to. And then when you're done, and you feel a little bit free in your soul, then start writing and now say, you're, okay, it's God in that situation. Right on. Do the soul work because now you're ready to tell your story in, in a way that can bless others. And and um, you're still telling the truth, but you're, you're saying it in a way that's very redemptive. That's good. I agree. Hey, Michelle, where can people get a hold of you? Where can they get your new book? Um, yeah, uh, it's available on Amazon, but I have been trying to tell people if you can um, and you'd like one, please visit my website at Michelle2Ls, Lazurek, L-A-Z-U-R-E-K.com. There you'll find me, uh, a landing page, just me saying hello, welcome. Um, you'll find my books there. Um, you can uh, pay right through PayPal on the website. Um, and plus all my other books are there as well. Uh, blogs and things I've written, services that I provide. And the very most important thing is the contact form. If you've heard this today and you want to connect with me, and I have had other people from other podcasts connect with me and it warms my soul like nothing else. Um, tell me how this has impacted you. Uh, leave something encouraging. If you want to know more about my story or more about anxiety or more about surrender, feel free to contact me there. I answer every email I get. And uh, be happy to answer any of your questions. And uh, and yeah, if you'd like to be blessed and know a little bit more how to surrender or how to um, deal and cope with anxiety, um, I Surrender All might be the book for you. Beautiful. And we'll have all those ways to connect with you in the show notes. So make sure you listener that you take time to read those. Wonderful to have you on as my guest. We're going to continue to track your journey. And thank you for being a voice for so many and just kind of, you know, pulling back the curtain and letting us know that there's no shame. We're all going to be overcomers in one way or another through the blood of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Hey, everyone listening. This is Dawn Damon, your host. You've been listening to Arise Esther. And I do have a question for all of you modern day Esthers who are listening. Is this your moment to arise? I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at AriseEster.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit DawnDamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.